All right, what's going on, powerful people? We have another phenomenal, dynamic, amazing interview for you all. This brother is so deep and profound. We're coming live out of the allcreation.org biointegrity platform for you. And remember, our theme in this, in this season is envisioning transformation, doing interviews with those who are coming with different, unique, and gifted experiences and stories that the world needs to hear on this particular platform. And I have a dear brother of mine who helped me get through my, I can't believe I lived in Minneapolis to begin with, moved from Southside Chicago to Minneapolis in 2015. And I lived there for approximately 364 days. Not that I was counting each day or anything, but this brother that you're about to hear from, a very good friend, very good brother to me, brother Marcus Carr. He lived right down the block from me <laughs> in North Minneapolis. So it was just such a powerful time, such an honor, and just loved the opportunity to reconnect with him after five years. And just want to say welcome to the show, Marcus. Thank you so much for your time, your talents, and your treasures that you have graciously gifted us. And I'm not going to waste any time because I'm doing too much talking as it is. You're doing amazing work. So thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Lewis. It's good being here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, sir. So yeah, I mean, the people that they've been asking already, who is this guy? I mean, I mean, is he a car salesman? What's going on? So, you know, I'm like, he just dropped some knowledge because I've always known you as a community organizer. I, my very first encounter with you, we were in my backyard making firewood and cooking in a brick oven like at the but but it, they weren't synonymous it was like two separate projects so i said wow this black dude has a, a chainsaw i've never seen something like that uh, it's it a minnesota thing um and then later uh learned about your your, your talents and, and gifts for for word and song and music and then the gardening and so you have plethora of skills already and, and, and trades. But just the last time we connected, you were telling me about being director of programs at Youth Farm. So could you just tell us yeah, just a little bit about who you are and, and where are you? And, and, and I don't know, what, what's keeping you busy these days? <laughs> Man, life, you know, this, all this thing, all these things you're naming are like, uh, a huge part of my quality of life and my medicine, all the work. But so my name is Marcus Carr. I am a director at an organization, a 27 year old organization called Youth Farm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And what we do at Youth Farm is we grow everything, not just food. It starts with food, but you know, Youth Farm is a youth development agent, and we tend to use food and agriculture as a tool to create social change in our immediate environment. And the goal is to be a part of a bigger impact when it comes to our own autonomy, resilience, and you know, climate change, and global conversations around cleaner air and water and food sovereignty and things like that. Um, I don't even see it as a job. I don't even know. I didn't apply for this job, you know? I think I just, uh, I really just love nature. 
know, I'm an indigenous person. Mm -hmm. I'm a product of a lot of different people and a product of my own immediate environment. I've traveled around the world, done all kinds of things, but always came back home feeling like a two-time felon. Mm. I don't have any felonies, you know, not to knock felons, but it's like, if we all wake up feeling like a two-time felon in a system like that, it does a thing to you. And I think this is the thing that happened that, you know, helped me graduate to accepting my own life and taking my own life seriously, my own health, my own mental stability, spiritual self. And I found all that in nature. I found all that with plants and not really being stuck in the idea of like, you know, adult, you know, growing up. And I still have inside this big old machine, you still have a 17 year old little, well, I'm still skateboarding and, you know, chasing a bunch of babies over North, man. I got an army of them and they're growing everything. Possibilities, all of our foods. We were farming three acres over there, building a new institution. Greenhouse is going to hire 10 more of them. Yeah, I just love seeing, you know, brown, black babies, you know. They're curious. They have a lot of questions. They want to do everything and it's okay. Let's do it all. Like, there's no limits, and this is the point. Right now, you know, I'm about to go uh, meet these kids out of North. There is a garden tour of a bunch of students from the University of Minnesota College of Food and Agricultural Research coming. Yeah, we're gonna cross-pollinate a little bit, get these kids ready to see what the possibilities are outside of North and everywhere else. Yeah. What I try to tell people now is I wish that they would spend a little bit of time with me when it comes to what they want to see as far as changing their immediate environment, because I rather redirect energy now. And I'm a kid, I was born in West Africa. I was raised in Minneapolis. I was raised by an African mother and oh, I guess and a, and a grandmother. My grand, my mom was adopted. So my Grandma's, I know it is Polish and she's African, she's blacker than most black people. She spoke different dialects, you know what I mean? Like she spoke different dialects, it's never been written, different languages. They both grew up in West Africa. Mm. So her parents were, her par my grandma's parents were uh, missionaries. Mm. Okay. Right, and they, you know, like when my mom's real mother died, her mother's friends adopted her and her friend was this, you know, Marlene DeVore. I have a picture of both of them. You wouldn't believe I'm a product of so many people. You wouldn't believe like, you know, my, my history is it's like, I can't believe I'm alive, bro. Every day I wake up in the sun, I'm as grateful as I can be. And the fact that I get to move earth and play in the dirt and be around youth and, and I'm, I'm food is my thing. I, it's what I do. I'm literally the uh, mayoral pick that co-chairs the Minneapolis Food Council. Wow. You know, I'm trying to create a food action plan here with a group of like-minded people, homegrown Minneapolis Food Council, to help people who wants to work on our food system, source our foods locally, produce things locally, 
and stop spending money in the wrong direction. There's space in the system for all of us, but our food system in the state, as far as most obvious, the divide and yeah, you see the numbers, you know, that's where you see the divide. It's where you see the insecurities based on geographic lines and stuff, you know, nature in North Minneapolis is not the same as nature in, I don't know. Minnetonka, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or Bryn Mawr even, which is, which used to be yeah. North Minneapolis is right there. Right. Uh, it's not the same. So I'm trying to create a movement around growing and I want people to use it as medicine. I want to share what I gained from nature with my entire environment. If you're going through it, if you're suffering from like manic episodes, hit me up and you'll find me in a garden somewhere and I'll have water, I'll feed you. I have Tosi mentee, I have herbs. I mean, whatever we need is there. This is the richest place I, I, I've ever been, you know, and it has nothing to do with anything material. And I grew up with a bunch of cats that were very limited because of their, you know, because of their, the way they were brought up and the environment that we come from. It scares the crap. It's traumatizing. You know, you get to like absorb a lot of like generational curses by just being in this place. I, I think we're all in North Minneapolis a little bit sick, you know? And we tend to find our medicine in each other. And I find mine in nature. And I want to bring us all to nature because it is there, man. It's a physical thing. One of the elders told me, if you don't move your physical, you lose your spiritual. Okay? That's real. Move your physical, you lose your spiritual. And now you got people out here shoveling, you know, cubic yards of compost and moving earth and putting seed in the ground, blending their meals today for tomorrow. I got kids going to college this year. I got kids going to grad school this year. They've been here since they were like eight, nine years old. Mm. This is 27 years. I've inherited a history here. Can't take it lightly. Right. I plan on having to be very regenerative and self-correcting like nature itself, you know, like anything that grows outside. I really want us to like wake up every season as a better version of ourselves. And I'm preparing them for a working world by giving them a job. This is their first job when they turn 14. Mm -hmm. it, it probably pays more than we got paid when we were 14. I got cats getting six, $700 checks. They're 14 years old. And then I got to take them to the bank. I got to take them to the, cause they want to buy all the Cheetos, all the Takis. And um, I got to open savings accounts. You know what I mean? And all this, right? Like they're doing good. They're learning how to manage and how to think for themselves. Yeah. How to communicate. And Mark is like, the, the, the thing that it's a meditation in my heart, but it's something that keeps me up at night a lot. The generational divide and the generational oppression. I, I mean, this it takes a village mentality is like dying off. I mean, I don't want us to get sued, but you know, TikTok and Snapchat and, and IG and IE social media 
has really put on our youth's minds today. You can do it on your own. You, you don't 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 waste your time actually doing physical labor or going to school or whatnot. Like, what's your thoughts on this village? It takes a village to raise a child mentality, especially in North Minneapolis, where if I go to Broadway Street or Broadway and Emerson or 2200 block of Fremont, it looks like a war zone. And, <laughs> and the, the, it is a food desert. And, and then I go to South Minneapolis and it's like people are glorifying the war zone where everything with George Floyd happened. You know, it does take a village to raise a child and uh, it's a village concept. My approach to programming in North Minneapolis. I mean, for me, we come from a culture and I do think there is a lot of adultism. I think uh, the adultism is learned behavior and the kids are gonna absorb it if we're not careful, which is why we're creating green spaces to give them their own personal voice and their own autonomy. Uh, the idea of adultism is really do what I say, not what I do, you know? Um, mm. This idea of like, you know, preaching to young people, you know, they're very brilliant. You said it yourself, we're in a new world. They have TikToks, they have like, they have a satellite in their pocket. Come on now. And, and we talk to them like they're, they're, they don't know. All we have to do is, is, you know, be able to get down to their level, you know, approach them like an elephant very carefully. Look them in the eye when you're talking. Be patient. Stop competing with them. They're younger. They look your size. But if they're 14, 15 years old, these are babies. And there's a lot of learned behaviors and very predatory behaviors in, a, in adults nowadays. They, they're entitled to things that are not normal. And they don't look at themselves to kind of self-correct what they're dealing with in their, in their young people around them. You know, it's like they don't look at themselves and say, hey, uh, he's out of control. She's out of control because it reflects what they see, mm. what, they, what they're consuming, what they're consuming, not just through their foods, but through their touch, through their hearing, their ears, through their eyes, through their smell, through their taste. All those things. I mean, all of our music is, you know, right now the most popular giant is trap music. And it's all really based in this idea of like, you know, pretending you don't need nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got I got cats with a with a, a champagne palette, what'd you say? And a Kool-Aid budget. Right, right. You know, running around over here. And it's, it's art, you know, like, and I appreciate it too. But like, I don't want it to, I don't want to see it in their lives. All the behaviors we're seeing in the world, I feel are all learned. They all come from the leaders before us. A lot of people are naming themselves leaders. A lot of people are artists. The con artists are artists. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I know, I know. The world is strange. <laughs> right. Nature is medicine. I was telling Chris, you know, 
there's a very thin line between a plant and a human being. Mm. Everything we want for ourselves and want to know about bettering this world, bettering our environment, you can find in the bioecosystem when it comes to like nature and plants and we need to be a part of it, not necessarily be in control of it. You can't control her. You know, you can be just as healing as any plant, even the weeds. Mm. Or you can be poisonous just as any plant. The word disease is anything that causes discomfort, dis-ease. Mm. Break it down. Teach. Teach. We walk around normalizing things that are not really comfortable. No one knows how to take broken pieces and put it back together. Seamlessly. Smashing mm. glass to a thousand pieces. It's easy. But putting all the pieces back together, that's the discipline. We're, that's, that's a level of discipline we have to always aim for. That's what nature does. That's why you get a cut. You can literally watch it seal back up. Now, if we can increase our uh, immune system, our body, our machine, as we function, because nature have those things for us, um, we will be able to like put pieces back together. But no one is teaching that. No one is helping young people understand how to feel their feelings. I, um, I tend to never be married to any one idea or process or approach. I'm not trying to sustain any of these systems. I'm really trying to figure out a way for us to be able to listen to each other and self-correct in order to uh, provide the, the kind of environment we need to thrive in, right? Um, you know, this idea of intergenerational processes. Now you have young people talking to old people and they're seeing themselves in each other. I've been you, you you're gonna be me, you know? Um, they're talking to each other, you know, as equals. It keeps the, the old young and the young wise. I'm a product of that. So I've been guided by powerful women, man. Mm. You know, like I see them as like giants, you know, um, Devon Nolan, Tasha Powell. These are all food champions, food justice champions. And they're using this opportunity in food to create product like me. They're also giving me my own personal voice by telling me every day that I'm brilliant, that I'm beautiful. And no one ever tells me that, but my mama and these women mm -hmm. has nothing to do with, uh, you know, me being more beautiful than you and special. It's really, is a gift to be around people that actually care about you and actually wants the, the world for you. Only in America do we live in this idea of duality you got to choose a side. It's good, bad, better, worse, winner, loser, black, white. Only you go anywhere else, you know, there's different forms of the same kind of like, you know, oppression, but 
here is disgustingly embedded in our entire social fabric. And it's very hard for people who's never dealt with any kind of adversity or any kind of like issues with the police. They'll understand what it, how, that is bad, but you know, they're like, oh, well, I got to go on my boat. Uh, you know, I take a break from it now, but that, you know, a kid that got his arm broken by a cop now will live his whole life, you know, feeling that phantom pain. It may not even be damaged anymore, but it's in his body. We need to recognize how we can extract it by holding him. Tell him it's okay. Tell him how to avoid those things and giving him like where his power is or where her power is. The funny thing about it is when it happened to me as a young person, and I went and talked to an adult about it, you know what they told me? They told me, uh, you know, that's how it is. We all had to go through it. Mm. Well, that, that phrase, it is what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> it causes more it damage. Is what it, isn't that some scary, that's some traumatizing stuff. I was thinking, I'm like, no, it's not how it is. Exactly. It's a mistake we've been carrying for way too long and now we're trying way to transition. Marcus, what I hear you saying is directly describing from the inside this sort of terminology of a kinship worldview that came to the all creation world in our last issue. And just the idea in one sentence is that everybody wants to be an important individual in a nurturing community. Yeah, and you can be and you are. And that's where we're trying to go, I think, because we have built a world where everyone should be, you know, like a, a celebrity or a wealthier person. This sort of adulting stuff is, yeah. is uh, adults who are trying to tell kids to be like the person they think they should be. And, you know, yeah. and then we're not caring for each other. And I hear you talking about from these women in particular, the care and that you, you know, oh, you have yeah. that relationship with the, the gardening. Uh, it's important. Like, you know, while we have that system of duality here, is not the only compass for where we're going. The new revolution has nothing to do with control and division. It has a lot to do with addition and it has a lot to do with balance. Now we got to find the balance. I always tell my kids, if you had two people standing on the end of a seesaw and they're leveled, right, and balanced, what happens if one of them took a step forward? something falls. So how do you keep the balance? If they're going to take a step forward anyways, how do you keep the balance? And this is something we don't teach. We teach everyone that they're special and they all get prizes. No. Listen, in order to keep balance, you need to learn how to follow. If they take a step forward, you take a step forward. If they move back, you move back. What that does is maintain the balance. The only time you move on your own is when you want to throw everything else off balance. The idea of reacting isn't a positive thing to have to prove, you know, what, what are you talking about, man? Come on, man. You know, a puffing up and reacting and, and black men get killed. The whole world is out here marching. And instead of listening to those people, you want to write policy. You want to do things in a group setting to hide the fact that they've all experienced this over and over and over and over and still are, and you're still not listening or talking because 
the excuses I get in Minnesota is like, man, I know I can't really relate to racism. I mean, because I'm white, but I do get it. I get it. Right. And the thing is like, let me ask you a question. Can you re relate to death? There we go. There we go. Because you've never died before, just like you've never been beaten up by the police. But every day you try your best to stay alive now, don't you? Mm. If I mm -hmm. throw you in the deep end of the pool, you will float and swim, won't you? Right? Because you don't have a choice but to live. Your body, this engine that God has created, is here to thrive and live its full circle. Mm -hmm. And graduate to new lives. There's nothing to fear, right? You become a part of this thing we're talking about. And right now, the temperature is weird. This is Minneapolis. I've never experienced 100 degrees here and been so uncomfortable. Plants are struggling, you know, lack of resources. All these things are happening because of the drastic changes based on the action of men. And it was one of the elders that told me they call human natures Humans are a part of mankind, and they call it mankind because it's made of kind men. And if you're not a kind man, then you're not my kind of man. Okay? And... Uh, Say that one more time for the listeners. You know, just one more right. time. You know, it's true that, you know, he mentioned to me, one of the elders, man, in Harrison neighborhood. I mean, like, he's brilliant. This is a... Uh, Vietnam War vet, uh, pilot in the Vietnam War, and just very brilliant. But I don't know if I want to name him. I don't know if you like being named like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you. we call it, we call him old school. You know, old you know, if he ever heard me talking about old, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, come on now, he talking about me." Uh, <laughs> he told me once, he's like, "It's made out of human." He's like, "They call it mankind because it's made out of kind men." So if you're not a kind man, you're not my kind of man. And he wasn't referring to like, you know, genders. He was talking about humans and humanity as a whole, humankind as a whole. And, you know, um, having everyone relate, be connected to everyone in a way, like every plant on the planet connected to every plant in the area. And I really appreciated that kind of, wisdom that he shoved in my head because I do like being kind. It's easy for me to not be kind. It's easy for me to be stiff, rude, and you know, and I make more money than you. You know, I can say whatever I want to you. What are you gonna do about it? Right? This is the kind of mentality that you know we're not doing it on purpose, teaching it on purpose, but is learned behavior because it's being witnessed, watched. People that you're going to count on to be your nurse, to be your teachers, to be your doctors. And if they have no respect for nature, if they're not kind people, if all they want to do is make money, what do you think they're going to do when you have a heart attack in front of them? They're going to whisper in your ear, look, listen, I'll stop this from happening right now. Just you know, but it's going to cost you a hundred thousand. Right. And this is just a scenario I'm giving you, but it's real. This is what adultism in our institutions, our school systems does for the future. 
is literally failing you and it's going to fail me. What I'm going to do, though, is not worried about what everyone else is doing in the world. But my immediate environment and what I can control, what I can lift on my own. And uh, everyone else that comes makes it light as a feather. And I'm doing that with babies every day. And I know them, their grandmas, their aunties, their fathers, their mothers. And I get down to their level. They want to call me in the middle of the night, talk to me about what's happening in the crib. I got you. I'm present. I'm not special. I'm just present. And I also happen to have a daddy voice. You know, for a superpower. I love it. I love it. I want people to know, man, this work we're doing in creating green spaces, growing plants, starting seeds, um, using fresh locally grown produce um, to feed our communities um, and celebrate our changes of the seasons. You know, Minneapolis is one of the places you most visibly see the changes of the season, the leaves turning, the snow falling, the snow melting. And we want to be one with all those things so we can actually produce the thing that is our God-given right. It's what nature provides us. And I kind of love having this conversation with my people. I think I, I don't even, sometimes I don't even know like where it's coming from. I think I'm a vessel. I think I'm talking um, because many people before me have been here. And I'm embodying all the ancestors, all their stories, all their, you know, journeys. And I think they're all here. They're all here with me, protecting me. All my divine feminine are here every time I'm in the hood and there's gunshots. Bah, 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 bah. I don't want to be used to that. What I want to do is try to, like, eliminate the number of gun shootings we have. And green spaces have the impact on communities. The more we're outside together, eating together, living together, the less the shooters are there. Because they don't want to be seen. So, like, we could go for hours. <laughs> yeah, man. Louis, you said something about Northside, you know, uh, you know, but the perception of North Minneapolis is just that, a perception. Perception, yeah. It's paradise to me. Seeing North Minneapolis through my eyes is different than having someone explain to you how life is over North. Because they'll tell you, man, you know, there's gangsters, there's always... But I think South Minneapolis is worse. I think most white suburbs are worse. They just don't talk about it. They only talk about Northside because it's majority, like, people of color. And that's real. And I think uh, I would love to change the perception as we know mm -hmm. it. You know, murder Appalachia, all this stuff. But I really don't know if I want to do that either. You know what I mean? Right, I, right. I don't want someone to come buy my house and raise the rent, kick me out, and I can't afford nothing. I don't want that. So maybe, you know, I'll be your boogeyman. You know, someone referred to me as the most dangerous black man on the north side, and I was like, what the hell? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, man, look, you don't have to fear a black man with a gun. You got to fear one with ambition. There you go. Okay. And um, I want to change that perception, but I think about that. I got to find a balance. Mm. The balance is really in what I'm doing right now, which is like, 
building affordable living and owning it, naming my own price, not based on capitalism. Um, my question is, with this very diverse platform of listeners that we have, Marcus, what is your one message that you wish that you could just share with the world? With all the things that are wrong with the world, you know, you may feel like it's not your issue because it's not happening to you. So maybe Jesus loves you more or something. But just want to let you know, across all the lines and divisions and the, you know, locations in this country, on this planet, everything that's happening have an impact on everything else here. And be aware of that. Our goal isn't to try to fix everything, but really to try to tap inside our inner medicine to find what we need to be safe, to be healthy, to be strong, to be well. Know that you're important in the grand scheme of everything. Napping also. Oh, napping is huge. Yeah. I mean, it used to be a nine to five, man. Like we used to have to work a nine to five. I bet you 101 nowadays, you got people working from 9 a.m. to 10. Lewis is flying to China, Japan. Uh, you know, he, he coming back, building universes, talking to Marcus Carr. All kinds <laughs> of stuff. Um, and every, every time we get an opportunity to rest and take our time it seems like capitalism is taking that away from us it's allowing us to like i don't know um add another hour maybe another hour maybe another hour maybe to the point now where people don't even know what rest is yeah everyone is kind of you know used this idea of fatigue exhaustion I love being exhausted for a reason. Like if I get done shoveling 10 cubic yards of soil in a wheelbarrow and running up and down a hill, yeah, I'm tired. I did something today. You know, when I get done rehearsing or teaching a drumming class with a group and doing that for two, three hours, yeah, I'm tired, but for a reason. If you just wake up in the morning tired, there's something wrong with that. And that's, that exhaustion isn't just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And it has a lot to do with, you know, the systems around us and the things that we are normalizing. Life should not be the same as it was for our parents. You know, we literally, this is like Star Trek. And I can see all y'all. I can see Chris's smile and everything. You can see like Louis. And uh, it's like, you know, we didn't have that. Before we had like, you know, travel, um, dial. We should be in control of the technology, but instead, like I said, the learned behaviors, programming to control us. All these things are, for me, kind of moving backwards. And I really hope we start using technology to rest, first of all, to give us space enough to rest and to also um, 
give us control of our own domains, our own direction and destiny, instead of having to control us. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the rest thing because of your gardening. And yeah. I've recently gotten into community gardening. And the thing that we have most learned is the permaculture concept that the, the recliner is the greatest designer. Yes. So you, you learn to get out of the way and stop gardening and let the garden, like you, you guys have been saying, put the pieces together. Yeah. And all this kind of oneness that you're, you're describing is sort of in that process of seeing a garden come into composition and produce food. It's amazing, isn't it? And it's a huge part of, I mean, you got to remember things usually flower at night. Like, why do you think that is? Because they're spending all their energy during the day absorbing the, the things they need to do that. So they rest and they open to the possibilities. If you rest your mind, you're capable of processing things, not based on a force system of process, but you'd be able to like see many different processes. And as long as they're shared values, you'd be able to like take any approach to that end result. If there's an end result you're looking for, there isn't one way to do it, but you have to choose one. If you spend your time playing with everything, you exhaust yourself. That's what's happening. So in order for you to choose one, you got to rest. You got to be in sync. You got to be on time. Yeah, man, I, I love that. You know, permaculture is an amazing, you know, people think I'm growing all these spaces. I'm not. This is a bio ecosystem. I'm a part of it. And I know like every crevice and I tend to use it. And it consists of not just the weeds and the food and the flowers, but it also consists of the birds, the bees. You know, there are some pests and things that are killing things that I'm companion planting things with and cross-pollinating things with for different flavors and the different things. And there are people, you know, when I'm not there, there are people, they have two eyes, two ears, two hands. I don't have to be there. You know, uh, Babatunde Leah, a world-renowned drummer, told me that... Uh, they said two objects cannot occupy the same space at the same time, but they never said anything about two spirits, two souls. You know, stuck with me, man. And he proved it to me in drumming. Didn't even need words. Highest level of social consciousness. Yeah, you were talking about how we come together through the nonverbalness of music. And there's that in gardening, too. You, you oh. and, and plants, relationship with plants and other animals. You yeah, know, other, other than ourselves. And we work, uh, we have the ability to work not just physically, but through chemistry also. It's just that we have so many definitions of what we're capable of being. So spiritually, we're not really tapping into a huge amount of our potential. Man, you know, this year I had a lot of people lost their lives, you know, like, um, especially the ones that was suicidal. And I had to like, you know, have a conversation with my kids. Um, just let them know, like, 
don't ever keep this stuff to yourself, man. Like if you're going through any um, depression or any kind of like, you know, trauma, just do me a favor. Try to like talk to someone, you know, hit me up. Even if it's something that's making you so angry, you know, call me. You can use all the F-bombs, man. I ain't going to censor you. I ain't going to censor you. I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. But talk to somebody, you know. I'm not saying that just to say it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times. That's why, what I mean by I'm present. Because I've been there and I didn't have me. And I don't want people to like isolate in these things. So like all the all the this thing that makes up our bio ecosystem needs to stop being divided and isolated. And we need to start sharing because I have something. It's like a band, dude. I'm a strings. I'm not gonna go play the saxophone when I'm a strings person. I'm just gonna call Wayne. He's a saxophonist. We all have our superpowers. And when we're on the same frequency and rhythm and harmony, man, like endless possibilities. That's what I love about music. That's what I love about nature. You know, that's what I love about food. You know, try using different spices. Man, you know, old school, the, the elder I was telling you about, he was, he breaks down things to me a lot. And one thing he told me was, uh, the word community is like this language we're speaking isn't even our own language. It's too nasally. Now, this word community is an extension of the original text. He says, community spawned from the original, if you look in the Arabic, Hebrew, Farsi, things comes from the word uni. And that word uni, you and I, right, means one in the dictionary. Because only from one can come two. This is the whole idea. This idea of community we have in the original text. It was uni. It was you and I. You know, your communities should be always be based on the idea of you and I. Right. And the way we do it here in America, though, is we tend to isolate in large groups and we got to choose a group, a group setting. We got to go for this cause and that cause. But our message is not loud at all. All that screaming. I've had so many black kids had to carry to the medical center for manic episodes. And it really impacted me during the unrest and the uprising. And uh, then we went straight from that into a pandemic, you know. And I see these kids, man, being led, you know, screaming black lives matter and uh 
you know, trying to change the system as they know it. And uh, the energy they're using is the highest part of their chakras, and they're just angry. You know, seeing this stuff is traumatizing, and they're all that energy they're putting out in the world. Man, if we only redirect that, you only give me an hour of your day. You know, I don't want us to react. I don't want us to live in the poison of anger, like guilt, sadness. This stuff is sad, but even during the worst times of our lives as people of color, we've been singing. The best times we've been singing. These are the lessons. These are the things we need to pay attention to. Yeah, I don't want y'all to just listen to me. And uh, I appreciate this, though. I mean, real talk, this bottom of my heart, just so thankful to reconnect. And I think this is just the beginning of something prophetic and needed in such a season when we're trying to make hope as tangible as despair. So I do, I definitely want to give your flowers now. And I literally just thank you. I just want to give a major shout out again, Marcus Carr director of everything going on <laughs> at, at the Garden for Youth. And just thank you so much for what you're doing in our community. And thank you so much for continuing to just pay homage to the ancestors for the ground that we're privileged to walk on today. Thank you again, Marcus, for everything. As I said back on WB, th th that's all, folks. <laughs> yeah.